Playing Madden doesn't qualify you to be general manager of the Packers. Or does it? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. I am your host, John Meerdink, joined today by co-host Gary Zillaby. How are we doing today, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. Great day to speculate wildly about things happening with the Green Bay Packers. So let's do a little bit of that, shall we? Starting with some trade rumors. Here in headlines, we're talking about Connor Barwin. A hot rumor saying that Barwin could be a uh, trade target for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, He is currently a defensive end and linebacker type for the Philadelphia Eagles. But Gary, if you had to trade for Connor Barwin, assuming that's something you would want to do, what would you even give up? I'm not sure you give up anything for Barwin just because... Any analysis of of his contract and what he's going to do, they're most likely just going to have to release him. He's over 30. He's making a heck of a lot of money. I I just don't see any team jumping over themselves to trade for him. If you really want Connor Barwin, I think you wait it out and you you hope he gets released. And, And if he doesn't and he gets traded, so be it. Completely agree, and I have to wonder why you would even want Connor Barwin on your football team. It seems like he does have some skills, and he's been a little bit miscast as the sort of 4-3 defensive end. He's definitely an outside linebacker in that 3-4 that mold, but he's going to be 31. He's going to be expensive. I just think the Packers want to pass on this trade or otherwise. All right, special teams, Gary. What do we know? Well, uh, Rick Gosselin does uh, for the Dallas Morning News an annual review of the NFL special teams, and he uses about 22 different metrics to rank the different units in the NFL. Uh, to no surprise, the Packers have ranked in the bottom tier. In fact, they are 29th uh, out of 32 teams in special teams this year, according to the Dallas Morning News. Uh, and they finished dead last in the league in kickoff coverage and opponent kickoff starting point John why do you think the Packers struggle on special teams I think this is a result of the way that the Packers build their roster special teams players tend to be about the bottom 10 to 15 players on your roster at least the bulk of the time those are the guys who are going to be playing on your punt punt return kickoff kick return sort of teams. So the Packers end up having almost exclusively rookies and undrafted free agent rookies in those spots. Very rarely do they end up playing veterans on those sort of situations. So uh, assuming that everybody in those in those situations is going to have pretty similar physical attributes, the only mistakes you can make in those situations are are mental. And if you're putting guys out there who just haven't been in an NFL game that often you're going to end up with mental mistakes, missed tackles, missed alignments, and I think that's what you see from the Packers pretty regularly. Moving on to the final headline, the franchise and transition tag window is now open. This is sort of the precursor to free agency. Uh, the tag window opened last Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. It runs through March 1st. The Packers haven't franchise tagged anybody since 2010. Ryan Pickett, actually the last one. Gary, do you think any of the Packers' 11 upcoming free agents are worthy of the franchise or transition tag? I don't think so. Uh, I think your candidates are Nick Perry, TJ Lang, and Jared Cook. Of those, uh, TJ Lang, uh, because the way the transition and franchise tags work, there's only one tag for offensive line. Um, Way too high of a price there. Uh, Same goes for Nick Perry and linebacker, uh, way too high of a price 
there, about $14 million, which is about what Clay Matthews makes. So you're looking at a guy like Jared Cook. Uh, tag number's around $8 million, and there are a number of high-end free agent tight ends. Uh, Jimmy Graham might be available. Martellus Bennett's going to be there. Uh, I think you, I think you can get cheap cook at a much cheaper price. And he's, he's certainly indicated that he wants to come back to green Bay. So no reason to tag him. I completely agree of those, those three that you mentioned, cook seems like the most likely, but even then I think it's a stretch to, to imagine a situation where the Packers would feel like they need to tag him. If it comes to that, I think the Packers ultimately decide that they would let him go rather than, than forcing themselves into a situation where they have to tag, uh, Jared cook or, or anybody else, frankly. So we've got something new going on at thepowersweep.com, relatively new. We're in our fourth week of it as of this week. Gary, it's our email newsletter. How can people get signed up if they want this coming into their inbox? Shoot, it's really easy, everyone. Uh, You ever been on a website? You ever ever visited a website before? Sweet, me too. Um, We have a form on our site. You punch in your email address, and every Wednesday, you get a fresh email from us. It's uh, one of of our favorite things to write every week and it gives you uh, an overview of what we've wrote during the week and the best kind of the best hits uh, from for the week that was so if you like what we're doing at the power sweep uh, noodle on over to our website www.thepowersweep.com and type in your email address we'll get you on the list and you'll hear from us every wednesday Every Wednesday, like clockwork, it will be in your inbox every morning. And if you're not one of the people who subscribes to Blue 58 through your favorite podcast app, well, guess what? Our lead story in the newsletter each and every week is going to be that week's episode of Blue 58. Great way to queue for you to keep on top of what we're doing here at the podcast as well. So check that out at thepowersweep.com. Let's dive into our season review. Blue 58! So Gary, we started this last week. You and I are taking a game-by-game look at every game of the 2016 Packers season. And we're doing this for a couple reasons. We won't go as deep into this as we did last week, but I think it's worth a quick refresher. A couple reasons that we're doing this. First, we just want to try to tease out the essential story of the season. Every season has its own unique narrative that kind of builds in fans' minds and in the media throughout the course of the season. But that may not actually be accurate. We want to make sure we have the best possible understanding of what went on with the Packers last year. And we think that looking at each game uh, one at a time, delving into the details of what went into the game, what came out of the game, that will help us to sort of tease out that situation. Gary, why else might we want to do this? Well, the other reason is a, a little less idealistic. It's more to just remember the fun little memories from each of the games. Uh, most of these Sundays and in Thursdays and Mondays that that we spent watching these games, we'll we'll boil it down to a couple of plays that we remember or uh, feelings that we felt, and it's fun to take a quick look back and 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 remember just how awesome or terrible or somewhere in between uh, some of these games were. So with that in mind, we'll take a look at games five through eight this week on the Power Sweep. We covered, uh, or on Blue 58, we covered games one through four last week, five through eight this week, and we'll just keep making our way throughout the season. Gary, game five takes us to Lambeau Field, and it's the Dallas Cowboys coming to town. It sure is. So uh, the Packers have just defeated the New York Giants on Sunday Night Football, and now they welcome another NFC East opponent in the Dallas Cowboys. 
the Cowboys are finding themselves with a good problem on their hands at this time. They've got a hot rookie quarterback in Dak Prescott, and they've also got an, a veteran in Tony Romo who uh, was injured in the beginning part of the season, but the rumors are swirling that Romo might be ready to make his return. What do we know about the Cowboys at this point? We don't know much. Uh, are they any good? They've only beaten up um, pretty weak teams. Their best win was against the Redskins, and the record of the four teams they've beaten is 7-13 and 13 combined. Meanwhile, uh, the Ezekiel Elliott train is is hoping to be stopped by a Packers defense that in their first four games have allowed a total of 171 rushing yards. That's the second fewest in the Super Bowl era. Packers are favored in this game by five points, but John, that's not exactly how this one went down. No, it's not. Even though it seemed like the Packers might be getting to Dak Prescott early in the first half, as you'll remember, uh, there was this uh, sort of odd situation where Julius Peppers comes around and hits Prescott from behind. The ball pops up in the air, and it is caught by Packers linebacker Joe Thomas. To that point, Dak Prescott had not thrown an interception in his NFL career and was on pace to set a record for the most consecutive completions to start a career without an interception. It looked like Thomas was going to have been the first person to pick him off, but that play was later ruled a fumble. However, uh, later in the game, uh, Morgan Burnett came up with the first interception of uh, Dak Prescott just shortly after uh, he passed the record for most consecutive uh, completions to start a career without an interception. On offense, the Packers really couldn't get anything going. Uh, it, in fact, it, pretty emblematic of how the Packers were doing was just the possession after Burnett picked off Prescott. The Packers went three and out, and as Aaron Rodgers walked out or walked off the field, he was actually booed by the crowd at Lambeau Field. Rodgers himself had a pretty rough game all things considered. He threw an interception and fumbled two times. Uh, this was a, a stretch in the season and really in his career that was pretty unique. He was having a very hard time protecting the ball. The two fumbles in this game were his fourth and fifth of the season. But late in the game, things get really bad for the Packers. Trailing 30-16, to 16, uh, Eddie Lacy leaves with an apparent injury. And this was bad for a few different reasons. First, the Packers do coming into this game that Lacy was dealing with an ankle problem. He's had ankle problems on and off throughout his career. Uh, this one appears to have popped up again uh, late in the Packers' previous game. Green Bay decides they're going to run Eddie Lacy pretty hard in this game anyway. 17 carries for the big man. Lacey, it's worth noting, was not on the injury report coming into this game. The Packers also didn't take any other action to shore up the running back position despite knowing that Lacey was hurt. And that's significant because after Lacey went out, that left the Packers with just one healthy running back on the roster. That was James Starks. And wouldn't you know it, Starks himself was also injured late in the Dallas game. So Gary, just how bad uh, was Aaron Rodgers in your mind at this point? This is a stretch of poor play like we've never seen from him. It is, and, and the running back conundrum that you discussed only amplifies the pressure that seems to be building on Rodgers. I found it interesting that Rodgers had gone, at this point, 14 straight games, including the playoffs last year, without reaching the 300-yard passing plateau. Passing yards are a dime a dozen, and because Dom Capers' defense isn't very concerned about 
yardage. We see a lot of opposing quarterbacks throw for 300 or more yards. Uh, Rodgers hadn't gotten there in about a full season. It also took him until late in the fourth quarter to throw his first touchdown pass of the game, uh, which was the first time he had thrown a touchdown pass in the second half of the season. So at this point, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is bad. I don't know if he needs to see a sports psychologist. It it was a situation where uh, something had to change. And you wonder if something's going to change against the Chicago Bears coming in on a short week. So after losing 30-16 to to the Dallas Cowboys, the Packers stay at home, but it's a short week. It's time for the color rush game on Thursday night football against the rival Bears. Packers find themselves in a very tough running back situation. But don't worry, everybody. Here comes Ted Thompson with something completely unexpected. He goes out and trades for Kansas City Chiefs running back Niall Davis. The Packers expected to have him available for the game against the Bears, despite the fact that Davis came to Green Bay just about 48 hours before kickoff. This is also just the the very first time that Josh Sitton would have faced the Packers, except for one thing, he's injured. So he's in a walking boot on the sideline watching the Packers from across the field for the first time in his career. Uh, Most of the Bears' secondary appears to be pretty beat up. It looks like Aaron Rodgers should be good to go against a pretty beat-up Bears team. And he's looking pretty good doing it. The Packers wearing their white-over-white color rush uniforms, which I have to confess, I was very skeptical about, but I ended up not minding at all. And for new listeners to Blue 58, uh, you are getting your first glimpse at John Meerdink's Packers uniform nerdness. Um, and I say that in a loving way, John. Uh, you do love the Packers threads, and and I'm excited about your passion for that. I, I have more passion for the Packers uniforms than for just about anything else in my life. I think it's probably... Uh, Except my, your wife. Well, uh, probably my faith. It's probably my wife. It's probably then Packers uniforms and then the Packers themselves underneath the Packers uniforms for some reason. I can't explain it. That's just how it is. So on to (laughs) the game. On to the game. Uh, So on one hand, Rodgers sure seems to flip the switch. Uh, Just when you doubted him, he did something like this and totally redeemed himself. A franchise record 39 completions in this game. Uh, The Packers without their running game really... um, throughout this entire game. Starks and Lacey are both out. Niall Davis is there, but as John said, he's uh, less than 48 hours into the playbook. And Don Jackson, elevated from the practice squad, is the the lead back. And he leaves the game with a hand injury early in the first quarter. And Niall Davis only makes two attempts rushing, and they all come in the fourth quarter. So where do the Packers turn? Well, this is the first game that we start to see Uh, At that point, wide receiver Ty Montgomery uh, with nine carries and Randall Cobb with five. Uh, uh, McCarthy had said after the game he was looking to get about 25 carries out of the Packers' running uh, running game, and they reached reached 23, including some scrambles with Rodgers. Meanwhile, on the other side, the Bears are down to their third, or are now out three different quarterbacks. Brian Hoyer suffers a broken left arm in the second quarter uh, when Peppers and Matthews kind of meet in the middle in the pocket um, and and smash Hoyer. And uh, Jay Cutler's out with a a right thumb injury. And in comes Matt Barkley, uh, who we'll we'll hear about in a few weeks. Uh, But Hoyer and Barkley combined finished 10 for 26, throwing for 120 yards and two interceptions. 
Not a great day for the Chicago passing game. Meanwhile, uh, three Packers had 10 or more catches against the Bears, but Jordy Nelson only manages one catch for nine yards. The Packers running backs for most of the game are wide receivers. Between Jordy Nelson and the running backs, John, what's the bigger concern in your mind? Well, I'm not actually concerned about either one at, at this point. It, it would be nice to have a more traditional running back or at least somebody with more, I guess, legitimate running back experience back there. But if Jared Cook had been on the field during this game, I, for me, this is pretty close to an ideal offense. I think going to guys like Montgomery and Cobb uh, is a great option. 42 of the Packers' offensive plays were directed towards one of those two. Sure, it'd be nice to get Jordy Nelson involved a little bit more, but that's just one of those things I think that would, would balance out itself eventually. But it was also scary that this game was as close as it was for a long time. Uh, despite the, the big numbers that Rodgers and the receiving core put up, it was it was not a, an offensive explosion. The Packers managed only 26 offensive points, and this game was 6-3 to three at halftime. The Packers do have four wins on the season at this point, uh, but they are all pretty ugly wins where they, they're having to hang on at the very end. So after beating the Bears in prime time, looking good at home in those white color rush uniforms, the Packers head to the the city of Gary. It's Atlanta. <laughs> uh, yes, we the Packers had uh, had to stay uh, crash at my place for a week in Atlanta. Uh, what's interesting about this game is after the Thursday night game, they've got a little bit longer of a break before the next game. But that doesn't help the injury situation. The starting cornerbacks for this game are Ladarius Gunter and Dimitri Goodson, and Micah Hyde's the first uh, rotation back. And also out in this game are Jared Cook, Demarius Randall, Quinton Rollins, James Starks, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, and Clay Matthews. On the other side, though, Atlanta, they're they're not in a much better place. They're, uh, they're four and three, and they're coming off a home loss against the San Diego Chargers where they blew a 17-point lead. A late interception by Matt Ryan kind of gave the Chargers new life, and Atlanta had the ball first in overtime, but they went for it on fourth and short on their own end of the field. It didn't work out, and the Chargers kicked a game-winning field goal. So, John, what happens in Atlanta? So what happens to me could actually, I think, be considered the low water mark for the season. Although the Packers would go on to, spoiler alert, lose their next three games, I think this may have actually been about as bad as it got for the Packers, at least in the personnel department. Consider this. Jeff Janis, the man, the myth, the legend, played 94% of the snaps on offense in this game. Niall Davis and Don Jackson both got significant time at running back. Aaron Ripkowski played 32 snaps, many of them at running back. Considering all that, and considering the, the situation that Gary mentioned in the secondary, it's pretty amazing that the Packers were in this game at all. The fact that they were in it can largely be credited to Aaron Rodgers, who had a phenomenal day. Actually had the Packers on top, 24-17 to 17 at the half. He finished his day 28-38 of 38 for 246 yards and four touchdowns. Devontae Adams had 12 catches. To me, this was the first time it really felt like, oh, hey, Devontae Adams is actually pretty good. The defense, though, becomes, to me, truly worrisome for the first time. Taylor Gabriel just goes 
blowing through the secondary for a 47-yard touchdown. The Packers don't, and they sure looked like it on this play, just looked like they had no one who was in the same universe of speed as Taylor Gabriel. Even though Julio Jones had a pretty slow day, Matt Ryan himself had a great day, 28 of 35 for 288 yards and three touchdowns. This game came down to the last five minutes. The Packers scored to go up 32 to 26 with three minutes and 58 seconds left, but the Falcons went 75 yards in just about three and a half minutes to retake the lead with 38 seconds left. Uh, The Packers got the ball back, did very little. Suddenly we had another infuriating Aaron Rodgers is not clutch argument. Uh, He's actually very clutch, but if you ask Bob McGinn uh, and Michael Cohen, they would say he had a 75 or 80% chance to go down and win the game at that moment for the Packers, which to me is just absurd. But my question to you, Gary, is how much do you miss a guy like Sam Shields at this particular moment in time? Well, because Julio Jones had a pretty quiet game and Ladarius Gunter played quite well, I'm not missing Shields all that much. Um, I think you and I at this point were kind of talking between ourselves that Shields was most likely done for the year. He He suffered his concussion in week one. It's now the seventh game of the season and he's still not back. You're not banking on him. And... Ladarius Gunter sure seems to have taken the mantle of a number one cornerback uh, uh, as Demarius Randall, who had been torched throughout the beginning of this year, had missed this game with an injury. More so, though, the depth is what what I'm I'm missing. It's been about 90 days and the Packers cornerbacks and safeties were at 90 days ago their strong suit. And now they're a defensive cupcake. And that's what's troubling. It is very troubling, especially looking ahead to the next week. The Packers are heading home to Lambeau to face the Indianapolis Colts, who come into this game with exactly one strength. That's quarterback Andrew Luck. Packers are at 4-4. Four and four. They've lost a tough one in Atlanta. But you figure, hey, we get back to Lambeau Field. We play the Colts, who are pretty objectively not good, coming into this game at 3-5. and five. And even though they have Andrew Luck, the Colts to an outsider at least, seem like just Andrew Luck and a bunch of bums, and Luck himself isn't even playing that well. That's in part because the Colts' offensive line was objectively terrible. Luck had been sacked 22 times over the Colts' previous five games. The Colts were 2-3 and three during that stretch. Uh, the Colts' defense is also very bad, especially in the secondary. They had the 31st-ranked pass defense coming into that game. Also worth noting at this one, uh, at this game, the the Packers secondary is getting better, supposedly. Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall both back after their injuries. On offense, someone has returned as well. Ty Montgomery has overcome the illness he was dealing with for the 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 previous week in Atlanta. He is back in the game and starting for the first time at running back. So what happens? Well, it doesn't matter who's starting at running back, and it doesn't matter who's starting in the secondary. When you allow the Colts to score a touchdown on the opening kickoff of the game, and that's exactly what the Packers did. Jordan Todman returns at 99 yards, and suddenly the Packers are facing a 7-0 hole. There was a lot of bad in this game. John, I know you mentioned earlier that the Atlanta game might have been the the low point for the season, at least from a personnel standpoint. And I think this was the low point from 
a fan perspective. If you're watching this game, the Packers are getting outplayed at home by a Colts team that isn't very good. And on top of that, the Packers are doing things that would indicate they're going to win this game. For example, haha, Clinton Dix intercepts Andrew Luck not once but twice in the first quarter. It doesn't even matter. Uh, they can't turn it into more than seven points. And the crowd is just out of it for most of this game at Lambeau. Uh, the Colts are up seven points in the final in the final uh, minutes of the first half. Andrew Luck takes him down 96 yards for a touchdown. And the Packers go into halftime down 14. And by the by the halfway point of the fourth quarter, it's 31 to 13. The Packers make it close to the end with some touchdowns, and they can't get a defensive stop in the final uh, in the final minutes to to get the ball back to have a shot to win the game. Ty Montgomery, as you said, started at running back and reaches the 50-yard plateau on seven carries. So at this point, Green Bay's played six of their eight home games. So two remaining games at Lambeau. Uh, they're at 500 with four wins and four losses, and they're looking up at both the Minnesota Vikings, who are after a 5-0 start, now coming back down to reality, and a Detroit Lions team who, after the Packers throttled them at home, has played quite well. Now, for Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers looks lost. The defense is in a free fall. Special teams is now struggling. And the leading running back is a wide receiver. Where's the silver lining? I don't see a silver lining to this game. Um, backstory for me, I was on my way home from Vancouver, a work conference, uh, during this game, and I watched it alternatively play out online and the final half quarter in the Detroit International Airport while I was trying to make my connection to get back to, to Indiana. Uh, a confession from me, occasionally, once or twice a year, I will just get way, way too invested into a game. And this was a situation where I was way too tied up in this one. I was tired from being on the road. I was tired from being away from home. And I was very irritated because I couldn't find anything decent to eat in the Detroit airport. I was furious at the end of this game, and it all kind of boiled to a head on the very, very last significant play of the game. So the Colts are facing a third and two from the Packers' 47-yard line. They're out of field goal range, and they're probably going to punt if the Packers can force them to a fourth down. The way the Packers are moving the ball, you figure that if they get the ball back, there's a good chance that they can go down and Aaron Rodgers is at least going to have a shot to win the game. Instead, what happens is the defense gives up a 27-yard completion to T.Y. Hilton, and I remember yelling, I'm not proud of this, in the Detroit airport, they have one receiver. And that's not an exaggeration. I looked it up, and T.Y. Hilton was the only Colts receiver to finish the season with more than 600 receiving yards. Are you kidding me? How do you let that happen? The Packers just completely got worked in this one. It was embarrassing. John, I want you to know that this is a safe space, and I care about you, and I care about your whole person, and I'm sorry that the Detroit airport let you down. Uh, there were quite a few Packers fans there, and I didn't even get any unusual looks. 
I don't know what that says about the sort of people that you see in the Detroit International Airport, but if me yelling about the Packers doesn't even earn me a head turn, I I guess I just don't know what to think. Hey, Gary, while well, I've well, got you here, do you remember someone by the name of Marquand Manuel? I think he was a safety, right? He was a safety for the Packers, and you dug up something very interesting about Marquand Manuel this week. Tell us about it. Well, it just so happens that... Uh, Kicker Ryan Longwell and safety Marquand Manuel signed the exact same contract length and years on the same day. Except Longwell signed with the Minnesota Vikings and Marquand Manuel with the Packers. And I just found it interesting. Uh, I wonder if Marquand Manuel's came with an Applebee's gift card. You have to think so. I, I, I think I'm a kindred spirit with Manuel because I think we can both appreciate the wonderful things that Applebee's brings to the table. Are you an Applebee's guy or a Chili's guy? I'm more of a Chili's guy, uh, but but hey, you know what? You put me in an Applebee's, I, I'm not saying no, I'll tell you that much. Truthfully, me too. I would pick Chili's first, but I'm not going to knock Applebee's. And if, you're, if you need a night out in Green Bay, Applebee's is just fine. Gary, where sure can people is. find us? Well, you can find us uh, on the World Wide Web. Navigate your browser to www.thepowersweep.com. If you're a social media user, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at The Power Sweep in both spots. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a message in either one of those spots or a good old-fashioned email. Our email address is thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you because any feedback he gives us helps make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. And smarter Packer fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. For Gary Zillavy, I'm John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.